This is James Swanner coming to you live from Bogota, Colombia. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Yeah, welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. Uh, I am your host, it's Paul Kemp, and... This is the podcast whereby if you're an indie app developer, web developer, entrepreneur, business owner, then we've got something for everybody. Uh, and I just wanted to, I guess, start before we've got, we've got a guest, a great guest. I'm really looking forward to digging, digging into this episode and, and learning a lot. Uh, there may be app developers out there now who are listening who sometimes struggle to get downloads from the App Store. I mean, we have interviewed app developers who can get 200,000 plus downloads from the App Store every day, which is obviously great, but that's not uh, achieved by everybody. And sometimes we have trials and tribulations on the App Store, and we need to think about other ways to monetize our uh, efforts. And so um, that's what I wanted to bring to your attention before then introducing this next guest. Uh, this guest of ours is Trevor Page, and um, I was introduced to Trevor by actually a previous episode uh, with Phil McNevin. You may want to go back and check out episode 58, where I talk about uh, Tracker app and uh, to Phil McNevin, and he introduced me to Trevor Page. So it's a, a really warm welcome, Trevor, to the App Guy podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, having me on here, Paul. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to learn a lot of good stuff. Yeah, well, certainly. And so you're the founder of SurveyToSale.com. So perhaps you can start by just telling us, you know, how you, um, well, a little bit about your journey, about you and your journey, and then eventually how you came up with the idea of SurveyToSale.com. Yeah, sure thing. So, uh, I mean, my, my journey as a uh, programmer is, uh, you know, all the way back to probably when I was 10 years old. Uh, my, my father got me into uh, programming in general, and I got me excited about it, and I guess he saw that I was a bit of a, a computer nerd. So, um, you know, he, he, he planted that seed in my brain, and it seemed to have uh, worked. It has flourished, and uh, I went on to become an actual professional uh, programmer after going through the typical, you know, journey, high school, programming classes, uh, post-secondary education, university degree in computer science, and then I landed myself a nice uh, cushy job behind a desk, uh, you know, pushing code and drinking lots of coffee type of thing. Um, but it came to a point where I got a little bit bored at my job. I stopped learning at my job. And uh, and that for me is the most important thing uh, that sort of drives me, that keeps me happy. If I'm not learning uh, at any given moment or in any given week, um, I just, I don't feel as good about either myself or, or the direction that my life is going. Um, so I'd sort of, you know, challenge my bosses to say, hey guys, I'm not learning anything. I would love to get involved in some more exciting projects, uh, that kind of thing. But when they couldn't deliver, uh, I eventually decided to uh, terminate my employment, um, quit my job and go into business for myself. Now, uh, before I had done that, I had experimented with a few business ventures. Um, 
some of which I won't really talk about because they don't really apply to this story. Um, I'd started a business back in 2007 that didn't really wasn't really very successful, so I sort of abandoned it. Uh, but then I went on to do some iPhone development because I wanted to learn. Uh, you know, I wanted to learn. I wanted to expand my horizons. I was a I'm a Java programmer, so I come from sort of a web based background. Um, but I decided to dabble in iPhone uh, iPhone apps. So I learned the Objective-C programming language and, um, you know, created an app and we can get into the details of that, but it actually wasn't very successful in terms of the, you know, big uh, star, star's eyes or whatever the term is, starry eyes I had and all this, you know, fame and fortune that I thought, you know, I would get from releasing an app. Um, it just wasn't the case. And that was because I had absolutely no business know-how whatsoever. Um, so I sort of, like you hinted at, pivoted on that and, and applied my business knowledge to where I was really good at. Um, but I'm sure, yeah, we can get into that later because that was born with, uh, with Survey to Sale. You know, I'm sure there's people listening now who can uh, really resonate with what you're saying, uh, because we uh, only ever hear the good stories, the the things that have been successful in the app store. And of course, there's there's thousands and thousands of uh, app developers trying to make some kind of success on the app store, and uh, we, it's not for everybody. Uh, but we don't get the the negative stories. We only ever get the you know the wins from the 18-year-old who created this app or <laughs> that app. You know, and uh, I think that people come into it with um, misperceptions about uh, you know what what actually you can achieve. So perhaps we can go back to that time when you're you're developing your iPhone app. How, how easy was it to adjust from uh, your background in Java to then working on Xcode and Objective C? It, you know, there, there was obviously a learning curve, a transition period, but I was fairly. Uh, comfortable with it. Um, I feel like there's a lot of, of similarities between the Java programming language and Objective-C, namely because they're both sort of object-oriented programming languages. Um, so I, I was able to, you know, come up with my idea for my first app and um, start from scratch with learning Objective-C uh, to publishing the app in the App Store and making my first sale in a, just under three months is, is sort of what it took me. Uh, which I was, you know, reasonably happy with. That seemed like a reasonably short period of time. Um, and when I did it the second time, I was able to iterate it. I think I got the app, you know, from idea to launch in the App Store within a month. Um, so I was pretty, again, pretty happy with that, considering I didn't really have, I had actually no experience in Objective-C before that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was uh, it was more or less painless. There, there's definitely some things that, um, uh, you know, that I would never have been able to figure them out if it wasn't for, you know things like iTunes University and uh, and Google in general. So if I didn't have that at my disposal, I think I would have been lost. Yeah, because a, a lot of us who are self-taught, you know, I'm self-taught. I use Lynda.com and uh, others uh, like Google and uh, YouTube and iTunes University. It must have been um, when the iPhone was early released then, because I think you mentioned it was 2008, something like that. Uh, that was so. That was my. I'd done a, a sort of web. I attempted a web-based uh, app in 2007 that was actually HTML5-based. Uh, that didn't work out. Um, I think when I was developing the iPhone app, it was around, um, uh, gee, it was iOS 4, I think, was, was out. And that's sort of the, the era that I was developing in. So it was just <laughs> before they had done the switch to, um, uh, to you, oh, what the heck was it called? The auto... Uh, the memory counter or whatever, where you didn't you didn't have to you know deal with the memory uh, you know addresses uh, and stuff like Arc, that anymore. Yeah, Arc yeah. exactly. So I had learned just before Arc came out. So I learned 
um, with the memory management. And then Arc came out and I said, oh, thank God, this is so much easier. So that's sort of the era I was in. I love the way you, you look back on your life and, and it's almost like by different iterations of iOS, you know, rather than years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think that's how sure. some of us live our lives, you know. Uh, then, so then you, you obviously then went on to iTunes University. What was, what was the app, by the way? Yeah, I was good. Good thing you asked me that. I didn't want to sort of brush over that. So my first application was a sort of like a geofencing type app application. Um, I noticed myself when I was leaving work, um, or even sometimes getting to work, I was always texting my girlfriend and saying, "Okay, you know, I made it to work safe," because maybe there's a snowstorm or who knows. Um, or I would text her to say, "I'm leaving work." You know, you can do whatever it is that you need to do. Like, you know, if she needed to start dinner or if she needed to. Uh, do something with a car or who knows she just needed to know when I was leaving work and I was sort of tired of sending these text messages so I said you know what I'm just going to make an app to do this for me because I'm all about automation so I created this app um, it's actually not for sale anymore but it's it was called I'm Nearby and um, it would you would set up a sort of a, an area like a, a geofencing type area and um, and you'd say either when you enter this area or leave this area you could send a text message to and then you could choose any one person or group of people to send the message to. Um, and it worked just like that. It would be automatic. You would drive into the area and it would send a text and, you know, the girlfriend or your parents or whoever would receive it um, and be whatever message that you wanted to tell them, you know, in the automated message. So um, it worked great. And then I think iOS 5 came out and then they sort of had that functionality built into their phone uh, in terms of, I think it's part of the reminders um, application or something like that. So I said, ah, oh, damn it. So they, they got <laughs> yeah. one up on me there. But I was, you know, I patted myself on the back because I had implemented it first. So that's that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I think they have a term for that. It's something like uh, I've been Sherlocked. And I think it was because there was uh, some cool app called something to do with Sherlock and uh, they, they they then went out and bought the same thing out. And they, they sort of, Apple have a tendency, I guess, to do this. Uh, they see a really good idea, you know, like WhatsApp and then bring out iMessage. So, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm really glad you talked about the app because I'm just thinking I get a lot of uh, people giving me ideas for apps, you know, and get really they get really excited. You know, we should build this app. And, and one of the recent ideas that was approached to me was uh, something very similar to that. You know, the ability to text your wife uh, automatically so that you don't have to be reminded and then you get into her good books. But, uh, That's right. <laughs> um, uh, so so then, you know, you went through your um uh, I, I guess you then did another app after that, did you say? Yeah, I did. I, I Then I created the... Uh, so, I, I mean, I enjoyed that experience. The experience of learning, like I said, was fun. And I mean, I, I released it on the App Store and I did a little bit of marketing. I didn't know a whole lot about marketing, but I got into forums and I told my friends and I, you know, tried to tell as much of the internet about this thing as I could. Um, but it was all based on the, you know, 99 cent sales. So my sales weren't very great. I think I was making somewhere around... Oh, I don't know, maybe $20 a month or something in sales. So that's very, very low. And obviously, I was not very excited about that. Um, but then I learned about the free model. You know, you can create an app that's free and you can embed advertising in it and sell based on um, the ads. So I, th I thought, okay, that's that's a great, um, you know, business model for an app. And also, you can make it a freemium type. So you could even include premium content inside of it. So I thought, all right, that's going to be my next uh, experiment. I'm going to create an app. Uh, with that business model in mind and see how it goes. So eventually someday the, the idea struck. All of my ideas seem to strike um, that are based on my own pains. So I was having the pain of, you know, sending texts to my significant other and I didn't like that. I wanted to automate it. 
the second pain I wanted to solve was um, I would get up every day at the same time. My alarm would go off at the same time. I would do the same routine, get in the car, drive to work. But I didn't realize there was a big snowstorm, so there's a whole bunch of traffic. Or there was construction, so there's a whole bunch of traffic. Or there was whatever, so there was a whole bunch of traffic. And I would be late getting to work. And I was sort of frustrated with that. And I said, I wish I had an alarm clock that was dynamic, that would wake me up earlier if it detected traffic on my route. So I thought that was a fantastic idea. And I created, um, I, I called it the traffic alarm clock. So it was an alarm clock that would actually detect the traffic. And if you had no traffic, then it would just wake you up at the, the regular time. And if there was massive amounts of traffic and it detected a big you know, increase in the amount of time it would take for you to get to work, uh, you could sort of set a threshold and say, okay, I only want to be woken up, you know, up to half an hour before my allotted, you know, time on my alarm clock because I don't want to obviously wake up an hour and a half early. Um, but if there was bad traffic that would take you more than a half an hour, you know, added to your time, it would wake you up uh, half an hour before your allotted alarm clock was set to go off. Um, so I created that, um, made it free, embedded the advertisements, and then I tried to do the freemium model where I added in some... Uh, jingles, some different uh, alarm clock sounds and whatnot. Um, so that's sort of what I did, and I developed it, and I released it, but it's the exact same problem. It's getting that word out and marketing it and telling all your friends. So although I was getting a decent amount of downloads, which, you know, it was decent compared to my other paid application, um, still, I mean, I think I was pulling in even less money uh, based on the advertisements in that <laughs> app. So I was just like, all right, I, I clearly don't understand how to do this correctly because I think I've got some great apps, but um, I just wasn't making any money. So I, I had to, you know, figure something out and pivot in some way, shape or form. You know, it's a great story because I'm sure that you know, there's many of us now who are listening and just can totally uh, feel, you know, the pain of what it's like to come up with these these two that, you know, awesome ideas. I mean, I would say that they're terrific ideas. Obviously, the first idea was uh, so good that Apple copied it. So uh, <laughs> it must have been a good idea. And, uh, you know, the idea of an alarm that's uh, dynamic is almost like you're explaining Google now, which is what they do. And uh, I, I don't know whether they do the alarm clock, but certainly, you know, they're pre almost predicting... Um, your travel time between journeys uh, on your calendar and all this sort of stuff. So what are two great ideas? Cl clearly, uh, you then had to pivot. Tell us about that time then when you, you came up with the idea for surveytosale.com and uh, the, uh, how you actually pivoted back to, to web. Yeah, so I mean, it, like I said, it was clear to me that I didn't know enough about business. Um, so this this brings us to, I think it's 2012, uh, I think late 2012, and I, I discovered um, the podcast. So I, I I didn't know I'd heard about podcasts. I I knew what they were, you know, quote unquote, but I didn't understand the value that podcasts actually bring to the average person. So eventually, I think I was, you know, this was at the point where I was getting fed up in my job. I was I was bored at my at my full time job as a programmer, um, and. And I wanted to start learning something new. So I said to myself, all right, I clearly have, have had these these actually three failures because I had started another a web-based business before I tried the two iPhone apps that also failed. Um, so I said, clearly, the, the common denominator here is I'm a programmer and I'm, I'm great at you know creating applications and I'm decent at thinking up ideas that I think will be valuable, um, but I'm just terrible at selling these things. So I needed to address that problem. Um, and... and you know, 
while I was I was trying to address this problem, I was doing research on the internet, typing in things like, you know, how do you market products? How do you sell products? How do you build an audience? That kind of thing. Um, that's when I came across podcasting and I came across this top 10 list of business podcasts. And at the time, I think number one was um, Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income uh, podcast. And I again, I'd never heard of this guy. I had never heard of podcasting in terms of, you know, actually being able to teach me something. All I knew from podcasts was you could get, you know, comedians and stand up comedy bits, which didn't appeal to me. So I, I downloaded this podcast and that's when I started my education on marketing. So um, that's what really what fueled me to quit my job because now I had the knowledge that I felt was had filled in the gap um, between, you know, me and running a successful business. That was the piece that was missing, the marketing, you know, aspect. So I learned a little bit about that and I learned enough to, to feel confident enough to say, you know what, I want to do this full time because this is really exciting to me. Um, and I had done a few things. I actually created a, a, a blog and uh, a, a video tutorial website, so a content-based website around teaching people how to code because I'm actually a de- decent teacher. Um, and that was decent. That was a fairly good run that I'd had with that. It still goes on now. I still get a little bit of residual income from there, and it's great. Um, but that, uh, I'm always, like I said, I always want to learn. And I always want to excel and, and do a little bit better. Um, so it came out of solving a problem again, solving one of my own problems. I had I had launched a product, um, which I won't get into because it doesn't really apply, but I'd launched a product and I was having difficulty selling it. Um, I'd done the marketing. I'd, I'd applied all the things I'd learned about um, marketing and sales techniques and whatnot, but I still wasn't making any sales. And I thought that this product at the time was something that would be valuable. Um, so the piece I was missing there was being able to understand my audience. So I didn't understand my audience and I needed to understand uh, their pains and, and what they wanted to get out of my product. So I figured out I needed to survey them. I needed to ask them the questions that I was dying to know that was in their head, but I wasn't able to ask easily. Um, so I said, all right, I need to ask them these questions to learn more about them to improve my product. But if you are in the any sort of web space and you ask anyone a question on a survey, what are the likelihood that, you know, the people are actually going to fill out your survey. So it's it's bleak. It's terrible. It's, you know, probably less than 1% of the people who see it will fill it out. So I said, all right, I need to incentivize this survey in some way, shape, or form. I need to be able to lure them in and, and get them to fill in this information because the information is what's valuable to me. And uh, And I decided that I would slap a coupon code onto the survey. So as they fill out the questions, this coupon code gets bigger and bigger save 5%, save 10, save 15, save 20. Each question they answer gets them more and more savings and they get more and more hooked into wanting to fill out the survey. Um, And that's where Survey to Sale was born. So when I released that, long story short, um, I I actually, the, the goal was to get information from my customer base, which I did get, which was fantastic. But what I didn't expect to see happen was my sales doubled. And, uh, and that has happened across many, many of my websites and my customers' websites. Um, this ridiculous increase in sales uh, that are fully attributable to this, this one little survey plugin that I created on the web. So that was, uh, that was pretty shocking to me, but pretty cool at the same time. Well, you've got all of our attention because uh, the idea of increasing your sales is pretty good, especially doubling your sales. And so um, t- tell us then, uh, about the plugin, it, um, can it be plugged into any website? 
it can be plugged into any website. Yes, I, I, I created it so that it's just a it's a JavaScript um, code plugin snippet type thing. So if you can install, you know, your Google Web Analytics, um, then you can install this. So you just pop it in, you know, before your ending body tag, and uh, and you're you're good to go. That's all the installation that's needed. Um, then from the the back end inside of my application, you just fill out your own survey. You can create um, a survey and you can ask whatever questions you like. Uh, a, a good popular one is how did you hear about us? Because that's always a very important thing to know. Um, you know where is the traffic coming in and, and where are they coming in from with respect to becoming paying customers? Because that's the most important thing you want to learn. The people who pay, you want to know where they came from so you could spend more time in that arena. Um, so that's where, like I said, that was the, the initial goal of this thing um, was to do that. But yeah, the, the sales were just a, a great um, a great cherry on top. And it's because of this sort of psychological technique that that is at play here. Um, when people see the increase in savings as they fill out these questions, this increase in savings, this bonus that they're getting with each little amount of work that they put in uh, is very addictive because they want to see how much they can save, right? That's that's something that's that's ingrained into all of us. We all want to save more money. Um, so that's sort of, it's like this, this gamification of, of getting information <laughs> from your customers is to see how much, you know, they, they can save. Uh, but then what's interesting is at the end, they've, they've, they've answered the question of how much can I save? Um, but then they're presented with this coupon code and they want to... Um, because they weren't just given this coupon code, they have to they had to work for it. They had to give up information and actually spend time earning that coupon code. So now it's this psychological technique of okay, I put in the work. Now I almost feel like it'll be a waste if I don't redeem this coupon code. And I think that's where the real boost in your sales comes from. Because um, like I said, I was selling an ebook about how to program. I was teaching how to program, but my my ebook sales over the course of the entire previous year. Okay, I, I'd had I hit this this you know best sales month ever. Um, I think it was in August or something like that of 2013 was my best sales month ever. Um, and after selling this for 12 months, I installed this survey to sale widget, um, and I blew away that best sales month ever by 30 percent in the same month that I had installed it on a website. And then I beat it again the next month. And then I beat it again the next month. And I said, oh my God, this is incredible. So there's some, <laughs> nice. this, this amazing technique that, uh, that works on these people um, that, that is fueled through this, this survey to sale widget that, that's been created. So it's, yeah. it's pretty exciting. Yeah, well, I, I love the fact that you're scratching your own itch for all of your uh, working you know, career. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems to have really paid off here. So uh, in terms of the actual mobile responsiveness of the widget, because uh, if we look at some of these um, auto responders you know the screen uh, the opt-in pages for example and uh, there's a little pop-up that comes up uh, usually on a website and if if you get it on a, a mobile it's it can be quite frustrating to to get rid of mm -hmm. that little um, opt-in so it must have been quite a challenge to get, to get this mobile responsive perhaps you can tell us a little bit about that yeah, so I mean, with me, I mean, I'm I I was a I'm a programmer who comes from a web background, as I said before. So I'm not a mobile guy uh, natively, if I'm to use the language. Um, so I I needed to figure out, and I knew the importance of mobile. So I, I needed to figure out some way, shape, or form to make this thing uh, mobile responsive. So my solution for that was, well, I knew that there's no way that I could have it work and function. Um, the way it does on the web right now because like you said it looks horrible you when you zoom in um it, it just it it breaks and it just gets huge it takes over the whole screen and it you 
try to click on it to type something in and the keyboard comes in the way. It's just horrible. Um, so what I did was I think I, I, I used, uh, I think it was jQuery mobile, um, for, you know, web-based stuff, jQuery mobile is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I use that to create this sort of mobile responsive bar at the very bottom. So at the very bottom of the website on your phone, um, there's a sort of a, a minimalistic bar that appears with just whatever the greeting it is, whatever, you know, uh, web copy they've created to sort of draw in the, the website visitor to fill out the survey, um, that will appear at the very bottom. And it's, you know, fairly unobtrusive. It doesn't pop up. It just sits there. Um, and, and it'll say something like, you know, you know, click here to um, save 50% or click here to save cash or whatever the, the wording is that they choose. Um, but any, in any case, you click there and then it actually opens up a new page. So that's a different workflow from the regular web-based workflow. Um, the, the mobile workflow is you click on it, opens a brand new page, um, which I used a, a mobile responsive framework to build. So I think I used foundation.js um, to build up this mobile responsive individual page and that's where the survey questions are asked so um contrasting that to the website on the website it'll sort of slide up and um the the survey will appear and you could fill out the survey on the page itself so you never leave their website Uh, you could fill out the survey there but like i said contrasting on the mobile phone it's a new website and then you have sort of the full screen real estate to be able to uh, play around with the actual survey itself and then at the end of the survey it says you know click here to redeem your coupon Um, they click on that link and then they're taken back to the original person's website where they can purchase uh, via whatever um, you know payment processing system it is that they use so that's sort of how i implemented it Uh, so that's really uh, interesting you know like the fact is that most websites now are getting uh, upwards of 30 percent plus on mobile and it surprises me still how many websites uh, put in these uh, widgets or these um, you know calls to action that were designed for their website a particular one i'm thinking of is the chat window and uh, you can Mm -hmm. you know have this online chat with uh, somebody um, but they're not mobile responsive at all. And, and it's just a really clever way. Obviously, looking back on your career, you know, you did come through uh, the mobile side and then you went back to website side. And it looks like, you know, all of that has really played out here because you've been very uh, keen to really focus on the user's experience of a, a smartphone as well, as well as the website. And so that's obviously helped out. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is really interesting. So, um f- I guess for anyone listening, we, we just go along to your website to sign up. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not, this is not a sales pitch at all. You don't have to go and purchase my, my product by any means. Right. I'm much more interested in, in sharing um, you know, the, the, the things that I've learned about uh, business and the, and the things that hopefully I can you know, give to your audience um, in terms of you know, a learning you know, process and experience. Um, if, that, if what I said does intrigue them and they are interested in checking it out, then yeah, by all means, you can go to surveytosale.com um, and that's the number two dot um, com you can go there check it out read up on it there's some videos on there that explain how it works um, and you can sign up I, I have a free trial they can do you know no credit card required 14-day trial and test it out themselves if it works for them great. great if it doesn't then you know so be it um, I'm hoping we get a discount code Trevor if you fill out uh, if you watch the video it'll say you need to fill out the uh, the actual survey and that will give you a, a coupon code for the actual product of course so that's nice. <laughs> so tr- tr- this is 
fascinating, Trevor, because let's just take an example. There's someone perhaps listening right now who is uh, an indie app developer and they're struggling with the sales of their app store on the app store, their iPhone or their Android app that they've created. So one solution could be to take what they know, their knowledge, put it into an ebook or put it into a product, maybe start a podcast and uh, and then uh, once they've got like a presence on the web, then uh, they can install your uh, plugin and uh, double their sales pretty much uh, from the sales of, of that information product or whatever they, they can actually sell online. So there's always these other revenue streams uh, as opposed to just earning money from Google and Apple as a developer, which I think has been uh, one of the reasons why I was just so keen to get you on the show and to, to explore that other revenue stream for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, I live that, right? That's exactly what I did. I, I, I started, this is, I didn't really focus on this too much, but maybe I should now that you sort of segued that a bit, um, is my, my blog. So where I go to, I, I taught people how to program with the Java programming language via my blog. And um, I built it from, from zero. So that was essentially what I, the path I had taken was from the, the iPhone app, I went to creating this blog. Um, and I did it with the sole purpose of just seeing how it would go to, to teach people and, um, and, and hopefully um, make an impact in their life, right? That's the whole point. So if you can teach someone something that they didn't know before and then make them use it, um, to me, that's, that's worth more than money itself. If you can make a difference in someone's life like that. And, uh, and that's exactly the focus of my blog. And I took it from, you know, absolutely zero people knowing about it to now I get between 35 and 40,000 unique visitors per month that visit my blog um, and learn about Java programming through, through this blog. Um, and I mean, with that website traffic, I can direct them to say, hey, I've also got an ebook for sale. Hey, I've also got these, this Java video tutorial series. If you're a visual learner, this is fantastic for you. You can go here and learn about it. So you can take that traffic and you can funnel it into um, your products. And then like, like you said, you can supercharge it by putting survey to sale on it if you like to. So um, it's all about, you know, learning and, and, and pivoting and, and just seeing what works. And if it works, then stick to it. So I, I love trying to come up with uh, potential ideas, you know, from uh, speaking with the guests. And uh, you, what you're making me think of is that uh, it's almost like trying to encourage behavior, positive behavior. You know, uh, when there's uh, people downloading apps, putting reviews in, we're really um, not getting the reviews that we deserve, I guess, for the apps, you know, the, the work that goes into our apps. And so I'm just trying to think here, there must be a way of encouraging certain positive behavior, like getting a, an increased discount for in-app purchases through um, filling out some kind of survey within an app, you know, sure. and uh, kind of applying your principles to uh, perhaps a user's experience uh, within an app. And uh, it's got to be an idea or two there for, for someone to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think uh, you had, uh, I think it was Phil McNevin, like you said, on, and I'm not sure. I think he was talking about his tracker app, um, but uh, he's actually in the process of developing another app. And it was kind of an interesting concept. I think it would apply a little bit here. Um, he, he wanted to do some sort of a, a bug uh, reporting system. Um, and, and he wanted to sort of game of, you know, use this gamification process to sort of encourage people to um, submit bugs and, um, and, and in, in doing so they will hopefully 
you know, complain through that platform, which is the bug submission process platform, rather than going on to, you know, your review, your Apple review or whatever review, and giving you a one star and complaining that one little piece of functionality is not working inside of your application. Um, so, I mean, that's certainly one way to do it is to, to funnel their anger through a channel that won't hurt your business, <laughs> to funnel it through a channel yeah. where you can take it and, yeah. uh, and you know, deal with them one-on-one and turn them from a one-star into a five-star. Yes, and uh, you know, I, we always have to be a, a little bit mindful of the uh, rules of Apple and not trying to incentivize reviews and all this sort of stuff, but uh, there's there's got to be a better way for uh, in, uh, encouraging people to actually... Uh, yeah, go, go and use um, another resource to complain about a bug or mm-hmm. um, you know complain about something uh, some feature in the app then uh, then go on to the almighty review and uh, you know that review then just sticks around forever <laughs> and uh, pain in the butt uh, unfortunately it, it, yeah it just it always gets uh, noticed and, and, and sometimes I think when people download apps they always go to the negative reviews and just have a quick look and uh, it can be quite unfair but uh, you know it's, it's, it's hard to please people nowadays I think you know we get so much stuff for free and uh, we're so spoiled in uh, what we get and uh, yeah I guess we uh, get all these negative reviews um, that uh, are a little bit unjustified. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trevor, is there anything um, else in your journey or your experience that you feel that we haven't touched on that you could share with uh, us as indie app developers? That's a great question. I mean, there's uh, it's every day that I'm I'm you know hitting something that is unknown to me, um, and I, I think uh, you know what I've heard over and over again is to to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Um, and I, I really think that that is such an incredible way to better yourself. And I think it's almost, you know, this sure way uh, of, of paving this path to, to success, whatever success means for you. Um, so, I mean, examples for me, I, I was always um, sticking to creating applications that I thought people would like. And sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. So one big piece of advice that I think now is probably one of the most important things that I've learned about business um, is not just to get an idea, think it's a great idea, go to where you're comfortable, which is to create the application itself, and then try to sell it. I think that way of approaching it is is flawed. And it's flawed because you, you end up wasting, potentially wasting time and efforts and, and you know, this... Um, this lost opportunity cost of, you know, being able to create something that people will actually want to buy. Um, So here's my lesson that I learned the hard way many times over again. When you have an idea and you think it's great, don't go right away to where you're comfortable and create the app. Stop, pick up the phone, send out some emails, get in touch with the people that you think would buy this thing and see if they'll buy it before you've created it. So it's the process of pre-selling your application. Um, if you can collect money from someone before the application is built, if you can collect money from three people even before the application is built, I think that's enough confidence that you should have in yourself and in this product that you should go ahead and build this product. So I think that's the rule of thumb that I have now. If I can't collect money beforehand, I'm just not going to build the app. I'm not going to waste my time unless I absolutely need it for my own purposes and I can't find it anywhere, then I'll build it. But if I, if it can be bought somewhere else, um, or, or whatever the case may be, I will not spend the time and energy and effort to build this thing out because it's immense the amount of time and effort that you need to put in after 
the project is done. There's all the marketing and sales and stuff that comes afterwards. Um, I'm not going to go through that pain unless I can get people to buy this thing first. And that's what I did with survey to sale. I sent out an email to 43 people and I got three people come back and give me money before it was built. And I said, okay, that's enough. I'm going to go ahead and build this now. So hopefully that's something that other people will adopt and, and, and you know, carry through with their careers in, in building applications. Well, Trevor, you are episode uh, 72 of the App Guy podcast. And what I love about uh, my experience of doing this podcast over all these different uh, uh, episodes is the reoccurring themes that come out. And that is one of the most reoccurring themes that I think we, can ha- we have with all of our guests that have been successful is that uh, build something. I'm thinking of, like, for example, episode 53, where we had, had the uh, the founder of Clinic Metrics on, Carl Mattiola. Oh, I know uh, Carl. And he did exactly that. Yeah. So uh, he just reminded me of um, build it for, or ask for money first and then build it. And it's just time and time again, like, that. that's, uh, that's come out and uh, that's the most important thing. We often forget that because... You know, you almost told me those two ideas. If you hadn't said that you'd built those, I would have probably <laughs> taken those ideas that you gave me and thought they were really good ideas and then had gone ahead and built them or something, you know. Yeah. And with, <clears throat> so uh, you can get sidetracked right? by a good idea. Yeah, it's a comfortable zone to be in. You're, you're comfortable in building an app. That's what we're good at. So we just, you know, divert, you know, or, or we fall back to those idea, to, to ideas to where we're comfortable so you need to stop. Like, I would never be comfortable picking up the phone and calling someone and saying, hey, I've got this great idea. Would you buy it? Give me your money. Obviously, you don't say it like that, but I would not be comfortable doing that. But because I'm pushing myself outside of my comfort zone, that's that's the, the result. You get um, you get abnormal results when you take abnormal action. So there you go. Right. Well, Trevor, it, it's been a fascinating journey. Before we say goodbye, perhaps we could uh, get from you the best way of reaching out and connecting with you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think I'm most responsive via email. I, I answer my emails very, very quickly. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, the, the zero uh, inbox email strategy. So um, by all means, reach out uh, Trevor at uh, survey2sale.com. Again, that's the number two. Um, or you can just go to the website. Now, I do have one of those live chat uh, widgets plugged in that, that work horribly on mobile, uh, but they work great <laughs> right. on, uh, on, on the websites on your desktop. So by all means, you could uh, reach out to me via there as well. Yeah, uh, just about email as well. I know that you're really responsive. What, what uh, application do you use on your phone to um, manage email? Oh, I have, um, uh, what is it? It's just, just the mail app, right? Mailbox? That's what I use. And then I have just the, the default um, built-in iOS, uh, you know, mail application as well for all my other yeah. stuff. So, Well, you may want to have a, a quick look at, uh, we had the founder of squareonemail.com, squareonemail, and that's a new app that's come out for mail. I'm finding that really interesting to use. Uh, you can put mail into different zones and uh, it just helps manage like the flow of email a lot more and you can prioritize uh, different types of email that you get, you know, between family, friends, and uh, perhaps just promotional ones. So, uh, yeah, I'm really liking that at the moment. Um, and that works, that works for uh, Gmail as well as other uh, email inboxes? I think it's primarily Gmail at this stage, but I know they're, they're looking to roll it out for others. But, yeah, it's primarily Gmail. But uh, a okay. really interesting app. Cool. And, uh, yeah, then, yeah, just uh, I, I, I'm starting to like that one. But uh, so... 
Well, Trevor, it's been a fascinating journey. I'm really um, amazed at um, how you've pivoted the business and that you're doing so well with uh, surveytosale.com. So uh, I'm, I'm actually going to go and check it out now and encourage everyone listening to go and check it out. I think it's um, it's a fascinating idea. And I think it's one of those that you, you just have to get in and, and try it with your own business. So um, appreciate you coming on, Trevor. We'd love to have you back anytime. And uh, especially given all your ideas, I'm sure. It, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, um, I can't leave it without just asking you, um, you, you're going through all these different surveys. And uh, one of the things it's imperative to ask is, what has been the overwhelming um, uh, feedback from your surveys uh, to, to questions? You know, what, what perhaps could you give us guidance on, you know, the best questions that you've asked and the most overwhelming uh, information that has, has really helped your business? Uh, well, that's such a good question. I mean, like I said, how did you hear about us is always a popular one and it's always valuable to, to learn uh, the answer to that. But I think one question that I asked um, that I sort of, I didn't really think about it. I was just sort of, you know, I needed a filler. I want to have, you know, five questions. And, you know, I was on question number four, so I needed that fifth one. Um, so I, I sort of threw it in there, but it actually ended up being uh, very valuable. Um, when, I, when they were on my website to purchase my ebook, I asked them, have you heard about my video tutorials course? Simple yes or no answer. Um, but the way the, this thing works, this survey to sale works, is when you, when you can get that information and you get the people who say, no, I haven't heard about your course, you can click on that segment of people in the reports, that little pie chart, um, and you can drill down into that section specifically. And you can see exactly things like their email address, because um, I asked them for their email address, you know, their age, their, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and now I can reach out to that subset of, the, of my customers and say, hey, I see that you, you haven't heard of my other product, which is really sort of a complimentary type of product. And, um, and I say, since you haven't heard about it, let me tell you a little bit about it, because I think that it's very, very cool. So I, I am able to reach out to them and sort of hit, hit them almost with the, the upsell, right? Um, and, and introduce them to this thing and talk about the benefits, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that just helps drive even more sales in the future. So if, you have, if you're in that situation where you're selling multiple apps um, and you can say something like, hey, if you liked this app that I created, then you're surely gonna like this one too. Have you heard about it? Um, that would be a fantastic question that, that your audience could ask uh, their potential customers. Yeah, and I'm almost thinking as well, the, the asking uh, clients who may be wanting to build an app, you know, just to kind of go through the survey and uh, make sure that they've seen all your best apps and all the, the different apps that you've built in your portfolio. Uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of potential for that. Uh, Tre Trevor, it's been a, a wonderful journey. Thanks for joining us on the App Guide podcast, and yeah, we'd love to have you back and, and see you in a future episode. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd be glad to be back. I love doing this stuff. I could talk about it forever. <laughs> Well, thanks so much. <laughs> thanks, Trevor. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast. 